Hey, I'm Katie. And I'm Riley, and this is Firefly Grills Breaking Bread Podcast. Welcome back to the second episode of the Breaking Bread Podcast. I am one half of this podcast, Riley. And I'm Katie. And we are super stoked because we have actually two very special guests in the house tonight. Uh, Katie and I would not be here actually without these two. Very they didn't birth us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they kind of did. Maybe you. <laughs> we're already off. We're already off track. Yeah. We're not off track. This is the comedic relief that this podcast needs. <laughs> anyway, we have Christy and Niall Campbell in the house. Notice I said Christy. Whoop whoop. Yes. I Did you say Christy <laughs> first on purpose? <laughs> anyway, yeah. So they are the owners, the founders, the creators of Firefly Girl. Um, so they have a very big and fun story, and we're going to dive into all of that today. So. Uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce them, and then they can fill the backgrounds, and then take it from there. Well, hello. Hi. I'm Chris. It's your debut. <laughs> it's my debut. Well, actually, ironically, according to artificial intelligence chat GPT, I have <laughs> two <obsessed>. kids. <laughs> Not one. You have two? I have two Is kids. one Riley? <laughs> I think and so. And I graduated from the CIA. <laughs> Graduated from the CIA. So is this where we tell you our origin story? Yeah, yeah we, so we kind of... Personal background of you two and yeah. then the story. Of because we kind of okay. started last time in giving your guys this like, annoying Hallmark movie story about how you fell in love and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know? So tell them a little bit about you first and then we'll... So you want that. the X-rated version. Is that what this you're saying? This is family-friendly. Oh, okay. Let's go PG-13. PG-13. That means you can say one or two bad words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so some people know that I was actually born in Effingham and that my maiden name is Samuel. And so uh, my grandfather, Lowell, and his wife, Lucille, migrated here after World War II, I think it was. And my grandfather was a music teacher and had a passion for music. And he took out a loan for $500, and he started Samuel Music Company, which for many, many years was kind of the central hub for all the band instruments and the pianos. And then my grandfather um, was one of the first people to start purchasing products in China and Asia and Russia. And they were he was very forward-thinking, and they traveled all over the world. Um, so I come from entrepreneur, entrepreneur, entrepreneurial. You better edit that one out. <laughs> <laughs> Just for saying that we're not. I know, yeah. I know. Uh, entrepreneurial spirit, but I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur. Frankly, I um, actually didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. I moved to Maine when I was two years old. My father got a job teaching at Colby College in Waterville. Um, one thing that has been absolutely constant in my life is I get bored very, very easily. I think that's one of the reasons why Niall and I get along so well. So, you know, fast forward, my parents got divorced, my dad mo moved back here. I might have been described as a rebellious teenager. And uh, by the time I was 15, I put enough pressure on my parents to drop out of high school. And back then, you could get an unrestricted driver's license. So I took my 
Rand McNally and the $400 that I had saved working as a graphics artist, which I still use today. And I went cross country, which I can't imagine what that was like for my parents because we didn't have cell phones, obviously. Occasionally, every few days, I'd get some quarters and call in. And Quick little tell, pay phone action. I, for one, I know that my ass would be lost. So <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do it without Siri. My mom would have tracked down the FBI. Oh, my God. I would have made it 30 Jules. minutes, and she would have been like, I know where you are. She was a freak. Yeah. So anyway, I found a back door into college. I actually went to multiple schools. I started at Boston University. I spent a year at Lakeland. Um, I spent a semester at Duke's Marine Lab, some time at UNC, and then got an academic scholarship to the University of Miami thinking I wanted to be a Marine vet. I can tell you of all those schools, Lakeland was by far my favorite. Best which experience. is a local uni- local yeah. community college here exactly. in our community. Which yeah. I absolutely loved. Highly recommend it. Um, but I was I went to Boston for a wedding and uh, fell into Wall Street, literally. Uh, when I took a job at Fidelity Investments on the Emerging Markets desk, I did not know what a stock was, nor did I care. Um, but I took to trading like a duck to water. And fast forward, I became the youngest trader at Fidelity and one of three women on the like big equities desk. And I loved learning it. I obviously made lots of money, uh, but I was already getting bored when September 11th happened and flipped my world upside down. And I ended up taking a leave of absence and I went to a tiny island off the coast of Puerto Rico called Vieques, where I met this guy. Wow. Okay, so let's pause there. So now you tell your story. Yeah, who are you, Buckaroo? Right, yeah, who are you again? Remind us. <laughs> they call me El Jefe. El Jefe. <laughs> um, yeah, so I actually grew up a little bit differently than Christy. Um, I, uh, I, I always like to say that I grew up in the second rustiest trailer in the park. Why the second, though? <laughs> well, because there was one worse. <laughs> um, and uh, so, needless to say, I, I kind of had a rough existence. My, uh, my, uh, I had some family issues, I would say. Um, and uh, when I was probably, I don't know, I guess I was in the fourth grade, so I don't really know how old you are then. But my first cooking experience took place, uh, you know, my, my parents had separated, and uh, my sister went with my mom, and, and then I went with my dad, and uh, the, he had some issues, so he wasn't able to uh, get my free lunch paperwork figured out, or just done. So back then, uh, they didn't just give you lunch, you had to work in the lunch line. And so I was like one of the only students that worked in the lunch line, but I actually loved the lunch ladies and like the janitor. Those people were awesome. Um, And I always talk about that, you know, it's crazy. Every single time that I tie a garbage bag, I tie it the same way the janitor taught me how to do it. And so that taught me, you know, I look back at that time now and I always think, you know, really there's always opportunity if you're looking for it and so it just it was just one of those glaring moments um uh, my 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 dad passed when i was 11 
Um, and so I ended up moving back with my mother. Um, and uh, we she ended up marrying a dairy farmer. And so I moved on to a dairy farm at about the age of 12. And a tremendous amount of work uh, that was involved in that. And I learned a lot about business um, just kind of through that process. Uh, But uh, Christy might not have said it, but I was absolutely a rebellious child. Uh, Oh, I thought you were going to talk about how you guys used to, you know, do the same activity together, a.k.a. shoveling poop. Yes, we, yeah, yeah. That was our first job. I know. Yes. I remember. Yeah, I I did it so I could have a bed and food. Uh, You did it so you could have free writing lessons. Or handbags. (laughs) I would shovel poop for Gucci handbags. Um, but the, the dairy farm had, I mean, we had about 85 head. We milked twice a day. Um, and you know, in the, in the spirit of hard work, I believe that dairy farming is a very, very difficult, difficult profession. Um, and you know, it's, it's just very intensive and, uh, you really, it's really difficult to be away. It's similar to the restaurant business and that. Winters are brutal. Yep. Um, And so, but at 15, um, I was given an ultimatum by um, the powers that be that I could uh, either live by their rules or get out. And I didn't realize that there was an, uh, that option was on the table. So I was like, cool, I'm out. And so, (laughs) um, so I got an apartment and I was working in a restaurant as a dishwasher and, and I continued going to high school. Um, How much was rent at that apartment? Uh, the three twenty-five, but it was split between four people. Wow. Yeah. Twenty-five is <laughs> actually higher than what I thought you were gonna say. Yeah. Well, the place is actually known but. as the Beehive in 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 Waterville, Maine, uh-huh. um, and and it probably should have been condemned. <laughs> um, but uh, it was the third rescue yeah, trailer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I just had like a makeshift. I had like lots of blankets on the floor in the living room. So that was my that was my existence. But, you know, being in school and then working in the restaurant all night. uh, The great thing about the restaurant was, um, number one, it gave me food um, because we always had a shift meal. Number two, um, we would get a little bit of tips from the front of house. Um, And then I got a paycheck. So, you know, I was able to do that. And I. You know, I was basically late to school every single day. And looking back on that now, if I would have had a really strong teacher, some sort of guidance that's like, um, you know, I've probably hired thousands and thousands of people. I got to be honest, I've never checked a high school trans- transcript or or uh, to see if they have a GED. Yeah. Um, Except hers. What's that? Except for Katie's. Except for Katie's. Yeah, I wanted to make sure you that would. she <laughs> qualified for everything. She was way underqualified. But yeah. if I if I would have had some a little bit different of guidance, you know, they would have recognized that man. This is this is. I mean, because I loved the second I walked into the restaurant. Um, I love the energy. I love the front of house. I love the back. I mean, there was nothing about the nothing about the business that I wasn't so interested in. And I wanted to learn and gobble up as much information about it as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I ended up dropping out of high school multiple times. I did end up um, graduating. Actually, a funny story is uh, about a about four days before 
uh, graduation, uh, I got called down to the vice principal's office, which was pretty common anyways in school. Uh, Permanent and so, seat. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I walked in, and he had a huge grin on his face, and I'm thinking, oh, man, this is going to be bad. And uh, he looked at me, and he said, uh, just because uh, I realized, like, mm, if they give you detention, you actually don't have to go. Um, oh, okay. And then what they do is they give you Saturday detention, and then if and if you don't do that, then they suspend you. And then I was like, cool, so I can work from home. Um, and they got on to that pretty quickly, and so they stopped doing it. <laughs> and uh, uh, my my vice principal sat me down and said, look, uh, you have 167 hours of unserved detention. Uh, I'm not really supposed to allow you to graduate. But... There's nobody in this building possibly more than you that wants you out of here more than me. So I'm going to let you graduate with it. So I thought, oh, that's that's interesting. Do they consider that high honors? I believe. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they didn't. They, I didn't have all the fancy garb around my neck. That's for sure. Darn. I did have a Zima underneath my gown <laughs> that, I was, that I was sipping on. Yeah. Riley doesn't know what that is. <laughs> so a Zima is like this malt <laughs> beverage they came up with. And we used to put Jolly Ranchers into them to flavor them. <laughs> it's really gnarly. He's gross yeah. stuff. Anyways, kind of like Mad Dog. It was right? like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carbonated. Yeah, it wasn't my. I didn't bring it, but it was given to me, and I was like, okay, cool. So, anyways, um, <laughs> and so uh, yeah, I made it out of high school, and as soon as I got out of high school, uh, me and four other, three other people. Um, jumped into a car, and I think I had about 130 bucks in my pocket, and we drove as far as we could get, and so we ended up in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, we were gonna snowboard and spend uh, and spend the winter there, this, that, and the other thing, and I ended up getting caught up in a restaurant gig, and I didn't even end up on the mountain. I just ended up in the restaurants again, um, and so yeah, and then I just, you know, uh, the great thing about you know being a chef or being a cook. Um, is you can get work anywhere at any time. And so I, it really allowed me to you know, do what I really, really love also, other than the restaurant business, is travel. And so you know, all of my traveling back then, I always talked to Camden about this. Um, but I Your always, daughter. Yes, Camden, our daughter. Um, is that I never flew anywhere. I always took a Greyhound bus because back then you could get a Greyhound bus anywhere in the country for like $45. And so, you know, I lived everywhere from uh, from Washington, Oregon, uh, California, up and down the East Coast. Uh, I and did. What did you eat? And then you always told me what you ate while you were on those Greyhound. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you buy you buy a bag of bagels and a jar of peanut butter, and that'll because the the bus protein baby. Yeah, the bus ride from Maine to uh, to Vancouver, Washington, was almost seven days. So that you basically, they bring you everywhere. You go all the way up to Chicago and then they take you all the way down to the Southwest and then they bring you all the way back up. So it's a seven day trip on a bus, which is, you know, I, I think I had more, more time than money back then. So, um, but anyway, so yeah. And then I, I ended up uh, picking up a gig in, in uh, working on a, a, uh, fishing boats in Alaska. So it was about a nine day trip up to Alaska. Um, and I did cooking for the, for the whole crew all the way up there and then help process fish. And that was pretty crazy too. Cause those were like 22, 24 hour days sometimes. Um, and then, uh, I came back to, uh, Maine and my, kind of my main, uh, hub of work and, uh, and friends was at a restaurant called the last unicorn. And my mentor, the guy that, really raised me, uh, to be honest, or taught me how to be a man, um, was like, I was telling him, I, I, at the time I had this Harley Davidson 
and I was going to drive my Harley Davidson from Maine to Brazil. And uh, the whole way, yeah, the whole way. Uh, and realizing that the Darien jungle, there's no road through, yeah. You, I would have had to take a, I would have had to, if I still had if, details, if I had not, if I had not been taken out by that point, though, I probably would have gotten a boat. So, but anyway, so he's like, you know, I, I love you, and I want you to know that I don't think this is a good idea. Um, you'll probably die. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, it'll be fun, you know? It's like very adventurous. Um, and he said, well, listen, I have this place in uh, Vieques, Puerto Rico, and, you know, there's it's a tourist destination, lots of restaurants, and you can go and stay at my house until you get yourself set up. And then, so that's how my adventures in Puerto Rico started, and, and, and uh, I've been there for five years, and then on, on my sixth year, I was actually looking to move to London. Um, and I actually still have my hard copy ticket flying Virgin Airlines. I would have flown out of Logan Airport at 7.30 in the morning on September 11th, 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, but I canceled the night before because I had some issues with my visa. But I still have the hard copy ticket. So I would have flown out um, you know, the day of and landed in Newark just as the towers were coming down. Um, so you know, by fate, um, you just you never know, I guess, what's going to happen. And so... Go ahead. No, I was oh. keep going. Yeah, so uh, I ended up uh, at that time. I was trying to get my visa sorted, and the, everything got circumvented to LA because Boston had shut down and New York had shut down. And when I contacted um, the visa offices in LA, they were like, uh, "The whole country is flipped upside down right now. You don't stand a chance dealing getting any sort of visa." And so uh, my friend Rick reached out and said, hey, look, we're looking to open a restaurant um, in Vieques. Uh, Are you interested in doing that? And so that's how I ended up back down for my last year in Vieques. And that's when Christy came on the scene. So I guess our stories combine at that point. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So this is when they kind of come together as one. Mm -hmm. They each other. Well, there, I mean, that's a whole other crazy story. Yeah. So, Rick, I'm like, and small, and small, small world yeah, with yeah, these yeah. two. Yes, yeah. it, was a, it was definitely, a, a, we tend to believe in the fates. So, Rick was my stepfather's best friend growing up. They'd known each other since fourth grade. And that was my connection to the, uni- the unicorn where Niall learned to chef. And that's why I went to Vieques after September 11th to take my leave of absence. Um, however, if you back up uh, to uh, I was 20, I think, and you were 19, uh-huh. and uh, my best friend was getting married, and I was at school in Miami, but I flew up to meet her fiancé, and her fiancé's best man uh, might have had a crush on me, and so took me out to this guy Niall's house to hang out because <laughs> he had a hot tub and such. And uh, yeah, it was uh, an old hippie commune. So it was like a wood burning. Yeah, it was a. It was we had a wood burning sauna and a wood burning hot tub, and it was a hippie commune back in the early '80s. And then it became a nursery after that for 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 flowers and stuff. It was kind of a exactly. cool place. But and that was mistake number one for for old boy to bring you to me. Well, it fireworks instantly. But we were literally passing through the night. He was living with somebody at that point. I had a serious boyfriend in Miami. But I remember me saying to our mutual friend who was getting married, like, 
oh my God, who is that guy? And I guess after I left, he had a similar response. And then when I went down um, again after September 11th, like marriage was not in my life plan. It was definitely not in his life plan. Like we were commitment phobes from way back. <laughs> and, um, but it was like, yeah, it was love at first sight. It was inevitable. We fell in love. We fought it for about a year. And then I remember saying something to the effect of, I love you, this is too painful, I'm going back to the mainland. And two weeks later he said, would you marry me? <laughs> and we never looked back. Yeah. And then they had you, Riley. <laughs> and then, and then, then we had Riley. And it's been <laughs> actually, I d actually no, you you're not old enough for that time in our. <laughs> yeah. So now that we've kind of learned about you know your love story, how you guys met, you know, yeah. became a family, all the fun stuff. How does Firefly Grill factor into the whole story? Yeah. So let's go from Vegas to, to fast forward. So yeah, we um, we were in like Puerto Rico for a couple of years, and I was working in the restaurant that Niall had helped Rick and Honor start, and quickly discovered a business that I didn't get bored in because the restaurant business is so intense. Oof, yep. Yes, it is. Yes, and just <laughs> when you think it. you've got it, like you get a curveball. So that was really exciting to me and Niall's dream to one day own and operate a restaurant like I was willing to get on board with that um, when we decided to get married we moved everything we owned in the world to San Francisco however it had all been in storage here in Effingham because my family had warehouses and I remember we were on a flight to New York ironically for the wedding of the same oh, girl yeah. who got us together. <laughs> yeah. this, uh, yeah. this was the second wedding. And I remember remarking to Niall on the plane that, wow, Effingham could really use a restaurant with the quality of food that you do because you can't, you know, you can't buy it at the grocery store and you certainly can't get it in a restaurant. And Niall was like, Christy, we are packed and moving to San Francisco. We are not opening a restaurant in Effingham. Don't. <laughs> Test. Hot twist. They, so, don't test yeah, the restaurant I, gods yeah, is basically I, the point. Yes, yes. They were tested. Yes, don't test the <laughs> restaurant gods. But also, I mean, I hadn't, I mean, I'd always lived in the coast or in the ocean, you know, East Coast, West Coast, Caribbean. And so I, um, you know, at first I thought it was, you know, I felt landlocked. And so um, there was discomfort there. And we had this whole thing planned that we were going to move to San Francisco and I was going to chef out there for a bit. Um, and then maybe open a restaurant. And then maybe open a restaurant. Tahoe. But literally as we're flying in the plane, Christy's like, um, we should really do this restaurant. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What a thing to do. Well, yeah. I'm actually laughing because this is usually your style. Like, usually you come to me and you're like, all right, Katie, we're going to do this this weekend. It's one day away and we're going to do it. And I'm like, I don't know. I get really nervous. So it's kind of like the rolls of the switch. Well, and we, so we moved everything thinking we would be in San Francisco indefinitely when my father had lunch with Jack Schultz, who is a very tenacious developer in Effingham and mentioned during that lunch that I was marrying a chef and someday we might want to open a restaurant. <laughs> I still have that email and boom. Yep, it happened that fast. Um, we so, flew out. Niall, what got you on board with like that whole? Uh, like, um, yeah, so uh, 
so we were in San Francisco for about a year. Um, five, little, five yeah, months. five months, six months. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the things in San Francisco, the poverty level starts at $100,000 a year. And so that means that if you're making $100,000 a year, you are in poverty in San Francisco. And so all of these people were like talking about this awesome quality of life. And I'm like, man, I've got to work like 80 hours a week right. just to experience this, this, this quality of life. But I was, I, I didn't, one of the great things that happened to me while I was in San Francisco is I was, so, so this is some of what came from Firefly. So with all of the restaurant experience before, I always thought and I always knew, even starting at 15 years old, I remember people laughing at me. I'm like, I'm going to own a restaurant someday. Um, and they'd be like, you have to wash a lot more dishes than that. I'm like, yep, what I'm telling you, I will be a restaurant owner someday. Your favorite place to be is the dish pit. I so. love it. Yeah, it's so relaxing. Um, but uh, so I collected a lot of data from all of these restaurants, right? Like uh, I'd work in restaurants where the oven hadn't worked in a year, so chefs were storing towels in it. I worked in restaurants that were hyper-abusive. Um uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, uh, your shift starts at four o'clock. If your line is not set, which means all your mise en place is together by five o'clock, then you there's hell to pay, right? Mm -hmm. And so the only way to survive that was to go in at noon. And so you'd work from noon to four, not on the clock. Um, then you would cook until, you know, 1130 at night, clean up. It'd be midnight, 1230. And then the next morning you get up and go to the farmer's market. But the farmer's market uh, wasn't, you know, you didn't have to do it. But if you wanted to be the best, that's where you went every right. morning. And you'd go there at 4 o'clock. So you were the first person there to, you know, uh, get the freshest produce from all of the farmers. And so as I'm working in all these different places, I'm taking these notes that are like, you know, this is what I don't want to be as a restaurant owner when I'm a restaurant owner. And so... Be, when I was in San Francisco, the the greatest exposure that I had, though, was the farmer's markets. So it all started in the last unicorn. All of the everybody had victory gardens that worked at the last unicorn and they'd bring in produce and then we'd use that all year. And I also had some experience with this place called Alden Camps and they did a lot of their own gardening also. And so in Puerto Rico, when we realized that where there were certain herbs that we just couldn't get our hands on for delivery, we started, we planted an herb garden. Um, you know, it's perfect weather for that. Um, and then when I went to San Francisco, really the kind of um, farm to table uh, concept exploded, exploded in, in San Francisco at that time. San Francisco was regarded as one of the best culinary cities going. Um, and so basically what sealed the deal for me is like as i said i want enough space so that we can grow our own food um and so that's that's kind of what hooked me into into coming here um and i i've got to be honest i love it here now like this is a great town um we thought when we opened firefly five ten years tops we'd flip the restaurant and go back to the coast because neither of us had ever lived away from the coast 
Um, and I, babe, I wish I still had that cocktail napkin, the original one that you drew out, thinking it was going to be like an 80 seat restaurant. Yeah. And then unfortunately, I got yeah. a whole Now we need to double it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got, I was the one that found the architect. And well, you all know my personality go hard or go home. So we created this behemoth that um, is, it's, uh, it surprises and delights every time people come off the highway and are wondering yeah. how yeah, it possibly so exists. You're leaving, you said you pack up same friend and you head back to Effingham. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess kind of what's that look like those first building years? Like what's happening? Well, I mean, it was intense. It happened very, I very. Say, it was a quick process. Yeah. It was super fast. We found Cass Calder Smith, who is our architect. And at that point, he was primarily based out of San Francisco, but now he has offices in New York. He builds all over the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I, have an e- I sent him an email with this vision that we wanted to create basically a third space, like the last unicorn, where everybody went to hang out. Now, the last unicorn probably had 60 seats, and we seat three. 300 at least uh, depends, depends on the day, <laughs> on the day. <laughs> valentine's day 550 uh, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Cass, i really liked our ideas and the other thing is when you're a restaurant designer you're typically designing in the city which means you're very restricted and he came out and saw this open palette and was uh, you know, 100% in. And when he was driving back to the airport, flying out of Sa- St. Louis, he saw the Merrimack Cavern oh, barn. I forgot about this part. Yeah, and that was the um, inspiration, kind of inspiration for Firefly on the Roof. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's kind of... And all Niall and I explained to Cass was we wanted a place that felt like you were coming into our home. Like We don't have linens at home. We're very informal in that way, so we've never had linens in the restaurant. We wanted the kitchen to be out in the heart of the restaurant because everything takes place in our kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, Little did we know all of the complications that come with that, but it really has enhanced the Firefly experience for our guests to see the ballet and the work that goes in and just how talented our people are like the craft that they're engaged in is next level extremely we have the most talented hospitality crew i'm gonna say in the world at firefly grill wow. i think beast I, mode. I, I, yeah. beast mode. Beast beast mode. yeah so you know it's what sorry uh where was that that you were doing all this building so, uh, so 2005 okay. Um, 2004, we designed it and got married on September 11th. By the way, it just—it oh. <laughs> just was the Saturday that worked out. We got married at Alden Camps in Maine, where Niall would chef in the summers. Um, he'd go back and forth from Vieques to Maine, and then we started building. And literally, they built that thing in what six months? Yeah, they built it really quick. It, um, and we hadn't. I mean, we. I mean, we hadn't built anything before. Um, and so I, I know, like, there's a lot of stress, like, for people when they're building a house. But Christy and I, we pair really well when we're looking, you know, at at vision work and, you know, the way that we feel like things should be. I'm a little bit more utilitarian, so I like to see things operate, like, very, very functional and um, designer cool. And Christy's very designer cool. So... Um, 
we paired really well and you know Cass really got our vibe you know he Absolutely. was he's I mean we hang out with him now yeah, and 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 it's just because we just hang out yeah. um but yeah so then we opened on Fat Tuesday in 2006 February yep. um, 28th mm-hmm. and we <laughs> The first years were absolutely a struggle. I mean, I remember we have this uh, CO2 tank, this giant CO2 tank that's out back. And I would go out back and I'd put my arm down on like one of the rails. And one of the stickers on the tank says pressure building. And I would just stare at that like, oh, my gosh, what have we done? Um, Because we, you know, like normally like in San Francisco, if I call for a lemongrass per blanc, you got like three chefs jumping on it, right? I would call for a lemongrass per blanc and people would be like, what's lemongrass? And I'd be like, all right, so we got to start all this really from the get go. So let's let's unpack that statement. So how Uh, was your guys' take on, you know, cuisine and and fair in Effingham? How, what were those struggles that came along? It, meat and potatoes It was here so in intense because, you know, typically, like Niall said, if you're working, we were doing an urban uh, model in a very rural community. So most of the people that we hire have never eaten in a restaurant like Firefly, let alone know how to create those drinks, to create those master sauces. And we do everything from scratch. So... It was very intense and amazingly, I mean, Niall and I work incredibly well together. That's why we married each other because we were often working over 100 hours a week, sometimes more than that, to the point where we would just literally get a hotel room next to the restaurant so that we could kick turn back in first thing in the morning. And so up until I got pregnant with Camden, we were together every day, all day of our lives mm-hmm. yeah I think the um, so as far as like when we first launched we I think I you know as a chef took it a little further than I needed to and so within the first month we really kind of reeled it back to one of the I don't have a large ego so I'm I my the restaurant I believe is an entity that's larger than the entire team mm-hmm. and I believe that the the entity of Firefly is there to offer an amazing experience to a guest and so it's really making sure that I find sometimes chefs when they're serving food or cooking for themselves and ultimately, it is the guest that that really makes the decision on what you do and how mm-hmm. you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I always just kept telling myself is that we have to get people to trust us. And then that will allow them to expand their palate so that they know, you know, that that it doesn't matter what you order at Firefly, you're going to love it, then you're willing to say, you know, I've never had... um, The the one thing I hear a lot is, oh, lamb, I do not like lamb. And I'm always thinking, like, are you sure? Because I I think that, like, a lamb chop is just so delicious. Um, And so, you know, it's, it's about, you know, getting people to trust because... Probably the first lamb they ever had was like some mutton that was way overcooked and super irony and gamey. And so they're like, I don't like this. Um, You know, uh, and so 
we got back to the basics and that really helped with kind of training and um but you know we opened in 2006 and then 2008 9 were not very nice to the economy or no. um expendable income you know so uh the the restaurant world was taking a pounding it, but we were so crazy busy like like just trying to figure our stuff out that we were like is this us or is it the economy um and so the one thing that i really got focused on is i wanted to make sure that no matter like how slow it was or whatever but everything needed to be perfect all the time then or try the the pursuit of perfection which is like every light in the parking lot needs to be done the parking lot needs to be swept clean the landscaping needs to be you just get everything so that you know when they come that they you know they, they, they lock into it back. but mind you at the same time smartphone technology took off in 2008 the first the first iP uh, apple was uh, iPhone was was introduced and so all of a sudden that not only did everything. we that changed everything we didn't have it wasn't just billboards anymore you could search saying like I'm looking for something to eat and as you're passing through Effingham you get drawn off to something different than than the chains and so and Niall and I have always sought the best tools I mean we were the first restaurant south of Chicago to have an open table, open table and yeah. now there's probably 20,000 or more mm -hmm. restaurants using open tables. So right. um, always early adopters of um, technology. Yes. Yeah, we use, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest, who's one of our biggest kind of feathers in our cap is that we're constantly bringing in new technology. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, it's so wild. We'll bring people in for a stage. So like a stage is when, um, you know, somebody as a new employees translates to stage, right? And so we're checking them out to see what their skills are and see what, you know, their attitude is and all that type of stuff. But I also look at it as a way for them to check us out. Like we want you to want to be with us and we want we want to be we want to make sure that we want to be with you. Um, but they come through on a stage and they're looking at all of our equipment and they're like blown away that this exists, you know, kind of, you know, in central Illinois. And so uh, Niall is so diligent about making sure that the equipment is well maintained and working well so that. You know, because he wants to give his team the, the ultimate tools so that they can be successful. And then that makes them feel great. Then more love, love goes into the food. Then the customer feels that all the way through. Um, and, you know, obviously you all were so part of that during COVID when we overhauled everything we could get our hands on. Mm -hmm. um, so now, I mean, we probably have the best restaurant equipment in 200 miles that people are working with. I mean, Katie, the way you wrestled with those handhelds and to finally have that new tech in the hands of our front of house team, mm -hmm. um, just it makes them feel amazing. Yeah. And, um, you know, Firefly is very much a family restaurant. And, you know, our core val values, we live and breathe them and devoted to team for Niall and I is the main one. Like our job is to take care of all of you and then you are able to take care of our clients. Yeah. Um, and of course we love our clients and we want to interact with them, but what gets Niall and I out of bed in the morning is making sure that we are helping 
our team achieve their dreams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so in 2000, uh, so when the, when our investors came together, people were really just looking for a, a nice restaurant to do business in and all those things. So and to recruit and because they couldn't get people to move to Effingham because there was nowhere to eat or sure. hang out. So, um, so those investors came in as angel investors and it was very clear um, that everybody, they didn't want to be in the restaurant business. They just wanted to get this thing going. Well, because and, the, what do you mean? The restaurant business is really easy. It is. It's, <laughs> yes. Well, actually, you know, when I was sitting. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know why. When we were first sitting in front of Jeff. Sorry, this podcast, we're so bored. Yeah. <laughs> we have nothing else better to do. When, uh, when we were sitting at the investor table, when we very first got introduced to Jack Schultz, um, Jack, or I, I had been introduced to Jack Schultz. Jack said, well, I hear that the restaurant business is the second hardest business to own and operate. And I said, well, what's the first? Yeah, and he said, first? dairy farming. And I said, well, that works out <laughs> perfect because those are the only two things I've ever done. Yes. Um, and so, um, but in 2010, 2011, we, um, we were able to buy our investors out. Which um, is huge. Yeah, it was, it it was amazing. Yeah. Well, we, I, I mean, there were times, um, I remember we had to go for a second round in 2008, and my father-in-law called me um, and asked me to come over to his office, and I was it felt a lot like my vice principal that was calling me down to the office. Well, I mean, what is your father-in-law? I, you know. I know. I'm like, uh-oh, here it goes. <laughs> You're dead. You have 167 hours of detention. Um, but he called me over, and he said, hey, you know um, – this is not looking good. Um, you know, this is, uh, I'm, I'm very concerned. Um, and I think what he was doing was trying to take my temperature. Uh, and the craziest part was this, is that even with working hundreds of hours a week, um, even with the stress and the strain, I was still getting up every single morning, and this is what I told him. I said, I get up every single morning, and I do exactly what I love to do. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, well, it sounds like we need to go for the second round. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was a make-or-break moment, I think, for Firefly, because mm -hmm. at that point, we could have folded it. Yeah. What year was that again? That would have been... 2008. Set, no, you know, I think a maybe a little bit later than that, wasn't it? But not much around later there. Than that. It yeah. was around there, and those, I guess it was 2008. And obviously, those were really difficult conversations to have. But the reality was, you know, all of our angel investors, they were all dealing with what was happening in 2008 and 2009 sure. as well. I mean, and Katie, you in the event industry knows all the expense accounts dried up mm -hmm. like everybody pulled back no one was spending money mm -hmm. um and so it was really incredible that they continued to trust and see the commitment and passion that niall and i had to seeing this through mm -hmm. and ultimately it it did and after that the momentum like you know, once we got through the worst of the recession, the momentum picked up and it just hasn't slowed down. I'll say now you're 17 years old. How does it feel? Crazy. Yes. I mean, oh, my gosh. I mean, it was like talking to the Brummers last night. I mean, saying hi to their son, Anthony, who wasn't even in existence when we opened the restaurant. And we've had 
The King. fact that 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 their daughter now works Burks. the host uh, yeah. stand, <laughs> and literally, I remember bringing pizzas over to her like second birthday at um, at school. I'm like, this is like, I mean, it's it's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, but you know, the I, I think like the biggest, you know. There's a saying about who knows what's good or bad, mm-hmm. um, and it's a great story. Um, and so, you know, those tough – the first five years was really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And not a lot of people, you know, uh, I, it, it takes a tremendous amount of tenacity yeah. to push through those first five years. Yeah. Um but, you know, as it starts going and, you know, uh, we just we've we've never stopped thinking about what's the next best thing. You know, Christy, um, we recognize that I was getting, you know, after Camden was born, we recognized that everything was bottlenecking through me. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't matter, like, what type of light bulb needed to be changed in the bathroom to, you know, what's the recipe on this to how do we set up these tables to, um, I mean, it was everything. And so the problem is, I mean, the, the issue is in business, they say that that can only last to about $2 million in revenue. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, something has to change. Otherwise, you're Absolutely. just going to cap. You're just going to cap at that. Um, and so I, even though we had more revenue than that, it was taking a toll on me. Um, and I remember when Camden was four or five years old, Christy came to me and said, uh, you know, your daughter is five years old. And I realized that I, I would come home at 1130 at night. Mm-hmm. I would be out of the house at 630 in the morning. And I was absent. Right. And so Christy really put her, her, her nose to the grindstone and discovered EOS. And you guys know EOS like the back of your hands because it's all you've ever known at Firefly. Well, I'm the EOS police. That's why. That's true. Yes, Woo-woo! you are. Yes, Woo-woo! you are. We're actually going to dive into EOS episode three, Katie and I are. Oh, great, oh, great. Good. So, you know, that, um, you know, it's really all about, you know, delegation and the accountability. Um, and, you know, I still love working like a madman just because it's kind of what, who I am. I just love the physicality of I'm it. Shocked. Yeah. And yeah. the last couple of weeks, I can attest that I, it, I'm still good at working like a madman. Um, but when I'm, I'm still good at it, <clears throat> we wondered. No. Well, yeah. No, the I mean, physically going and going and going and yeah, going. Um, it's hard on your body. It, it can be. Yeah. Um, and but I try to still get you know eight hours of sleep. But the the ability to be able to delegate all this stuff kind of through mm-hmm. also allows me, I think, in the last two years, you know, between our Mexico menu launch, yeah. our Italian menu launch, all of these, like, I'm really able to kind of step out. And so that's really when the vision work for me happens is when I'm kind of on the outside looking in. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think I, we're having a blast. That. I am anyways. Can you see that in our food when he's able to step back and really be the artist that he is. I mean, because he's both an artist and a craftsman because it's one thing to create a great dish, but you all have seen what he has to go through in order 
to be sure he can source the ingredients. What are the pars going to be Absolutely. on that? Like, how are, how are we going to sell them and how are we going to market them and um, how we all work together to make sure that that can happen. Um, and EOS has allowed us to do that. And in freeing up his creativity, we're doing the best food we've ever done at Firefly. And that's saying something. Absolutely. Because we've always done really exceptional food. And, you know, just being able to expand the farm and, um, you know, bringing the next generations onto our team has been absolutely fantastic, even though they think you're our kids. Which TikTokers. Is so cute. <laughs> 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 what is it? Not Evan loves it. It's not Dab anymore. Saying. It's like something else. I don't know. <laughs> something else cool that I don't know how to it's do. I'm going to circle back a little bit because okay. I want to make a comment. Why would you guys put Barnwood on a modern building? <laughs> oh, God, oh. Isn't that so Ew. Funny? People <laughs> thought we were insane, and Cass had discovered that somewhere in Napa Valley, and we were like, oh, my gosh, we love this. We're definitely doing this. And this was at the same time people were, I mean, just the rumor mill going around, this place isn't going to last two years, just – some of the biggest haters, I think, are our biggest fans. Oh, no. it's true. Absolutely. <laughs> they are by far our most uh, regular, m- biggest regulars. Um, so I'm so happy that we surprised them. Well, I mean, uh, to be completely honest, on paper, they were probably right. <laughs> yes, yeah, seriously. Uh, you mean, know, like looking at the, the investment. The tartan that's we were in the yeah, restaurant. The, on paper, you know, we. It didn't make a lot of sense. It wouldn't, I, it wouldn't have made a lot of sense. But I don't, I, I will never underestimate, underestimate my or Christie's tenacity. Yeah. So, true. I mean, I will, I, I just remember the first five years, it didn't matter. Blood, sweat, tears, all of it. Mm. I'll do whatever it takes. I will run until his soles wear off my feet. Yeah. And so that was the part where, um, where I think that's where it fell off the paper and it became like these, the, whatever it takes, we are going to make this happen. And it's um, just mostly to prove everybody wrong. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it wants you to chip two are on my both shoulder. like so like. You will prove it wrong. Like that's just you too. Right. So like, we you know, like to push the envelope. Absolutely. The I want to be the exception to the rule. You know, for and, everything. Well, the beauty <laughs> is, but if you think about if you think about Firefly, right? Though it totally makes sense for this community. Like every Definitely. everybody understands the Victory Garden. Everybody understands using fresh fresh food mm-hmm. um we are i mean we're in we're in the bread belt right i mean so th- this is the bread basket of america and to do what we do it just it makes sense for this community mm-hmm. but you know at the same time any time that you have a new idea you always have the peanut gallery right it's about being the man in the arena i can't pay attention to the people that have things to say that aren't part of where i'm going cuz they can't see exactly where i'm going mm-hmm. and so you know it's it's literally being the man in the arena and you blocking out that noise and saying yeah, I know that you think that old barnwood on a building is stupid, but just wait five years. And mm-hmm. now you can't buy that stuff. Like, it's so expensive. It's more expensive yeah. to get reclaimed. And you should see our house. So, you know, we circled back. Cass has obviously been our architect ever since Firefly. And when we decided to buy out our investors and really put down roots and start a family, um, we knew that we wanted to build our dream house. So mm-hmm. we brought Cass back and... 
he's got a great sense of humor and we all work so well together and he was visiting and so excited about this art project he had found in Joshua Tree of this old shack covered in mirrors so that it mirrors back the landscape around you so you know our house is kind of hidden but it is also covered in mirrors. yeah you should if you get a chance you should google a mirrored house in joshua tree it is spectacular it's gorgeous yeah, yeah. it's almost you're, it doesn't even look like it's anything because it just matches all of the background mm -hmm. it's really wild mm -hmm. um so um we've talked about how you met how you fell in love how you created this amazing restaurant. Mm -hmm. So in all of your free time, what do you do for time. fun? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so our <laughs> daughter, who's wild, and it's so funny because you, you know, like Niall said, you we, we both believe firmly that you never really know what's good or bad. Mm -hmm. It's just life. And we had a scare my third trimester with Camden at 26 weeks, and I was put on bed rest. And... At the time, I thought it was this terrible thing. I had always defined myself by my work. And I was like, how, how is this possibly going to happen? I had lived at Firefly up until that point. Uh, but it forced me to delegate everything. And once uh, any, everything that required me to physically be in the building. And then, you know, when that, you know, amazing human being entered the world, I knew immediately that there were that I wanted to be primary, like that there was no way I was going to miss this. And I was very cautious about picking up work that required me to physically be in Firefly. And, you know, it's funny, Niall and I were always told that um, if you have two parents with incredibly high type A personalities, that they will have children who are meek and agreeable. <laughs> I think they lied. Yeah. <laughs> and you anyone, I know. And you all have traveled with Camden. You all know her well. You have watched her grow up. She is um, kind of Niall and I on steroids. So she uh, has gotten us into surfing, which we actually, Camden and I leave tomorrow. Niall leaves on Saturday for a surf trip. And surfing snowboarding you name it that's her favorite thing to do and for us traveling is our favorite thing to do researching other restaurants other cuisines and mm -hmm. so we've been really sunday blessed. dinners sunday dinners oh yeah. yeah that was one of the big things in in the way that we designed our house and the location that we put it was we wanted it to be the hub for Sunday dinners. And, I mean, we've been in that house, what, five years? And we've had mm -hmm. hundreds of them. Hundreds, yeah. I mean, that's the that's the other thing, too, is, um, you know, a lot of people say, like, you cook all the time. You must hate it when you have to go home to cook. And I'm like, absolutely You're not. You're the opposite. I yeah. still love it. Like, when I – so I do – I mean, I just do a lot of cooking all the time, um, especially when I'm at home. Uh, you know, the sweet potato that was on the, you know, the Valentine's menu. The, I've been doing that dish at home for probably, I started working oh, on wow. that dish probably yeah. two years ago. Mm -hmm. And so between braising with cider and all those types of things. So, yeah, I mean, I love, I love cooking. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, anytime that we can get to the beach, we try to be there. Yeah. Um, we really, really enjoy being in other countries too, mm -hmm. because I think there's within travel and I watch it in my daughter's eyes, there's so much perspective when it comes to traveling. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, you have to learn to have a lot of acceptance and possible canceled flights and all those types of things, but Roll it's all it. part of it. Right. You know, it's kind of like when I consult with people about the restaurant business, and they're like, oh, everybody always calls in, and there's all this thing, and the food costs are did, did, did. If you don't embrace all of it, mm -hmm. and and absorb all of it, and accept all of it, then it, you'll just never be happy. And so, you know, I just believe like you just absorb it, you soak it all in, mm -hmm. you suck it all up, and yeah. So I just yeah, traveling for sure and cooking. So cooking, surfing, traveling, and Patriots football is that what I'm oh, hearing? Yes, that's I, true. I I am a very 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 <laughs> large New England Patriots. I'm all I'm all New England. So I'm like through and through, baby. Yeah. 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 Um. So another question we had was, how has it been in business together? You know, the dynamic oh. is very. You kind of talked. You you've mentioned yes, this, yeah. but talked I guess some about the, that. What's kind of the challenges and some tips, maybe, I guess, if someone's listening to this, that they are doing business with their significant other, what's up? Don't. Oh. Sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's funny. I've, you, you, we've definitely learned things over the years, like, don't talk about stuff in bed before you're trying to go to sleep. No, 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 Because no, no. just forget it. You're going to give somebody insomnia. Um, so that's a good tip. Um, and, you know, the thing is, it's like we're always surprised by people who say, I could never like build a house with my spouse or work with my spouse because he, he's literally my favorite person on the planet to hang out with. Mm -hmm. He and Camden, um, and that's why I married him. So yeah. I love working with him. And you all see our dynamic in the in the exec in the level ten EOS meetings. And sometimes we're spicy, and sometimes we're not. But we're not afraid to challenge one another. Yeah. And we're I was also, actually going to say that. I was like, you yeah. guys aren't afraid yeah. to call each other out. Exactly. Not in a disrespectful way. Yeah, but you but, know, the, yeah. I got to be honest, it took a long time to be able to get to that. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, somebody that's newly doing it, it, it's really important to set up certain boundaries. Like Chrissy and I, way back in the day, we used to have like a code word for like, if one of us started it talking about. Poodle. We yeah. were just we talking about this yeah. the other day. Because yeah. everybody wanted to talk about the restaurant. And we were so stressed out those first five years, and we would just say poodle, poodle, poodle and and that stop. and that's like an automatic call word. We just like stop talking, huh. um, and then also like you know it's uh, it, the it's important to have hard truths in life, mm -hmm. um, without taking it as being offended. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like when Christy sat me down and said, "Your daughter is five years old." That was a pretty clear like wake up call to like you have to figure something out with Firefly so that you can participate in this family. And, you know, I'm sure at first I was pissed, right? Like sure. what I'm do not. you think? I can be quite sure you were Yeah, I was but <laughs> but but ultimately like you also have to be able to absorb some of that and just yeah. be like, wait a second. There's a lot of truth to this. Um, and so, you know, there's discomfort in learning. Right? Anytime that you're learning, anytime that you're growing, you're going to have discomfort. Mm -hmm. And it's learning to, uh, to appreciate and love the discomfort. Mm -hmm. Because Christy and I are constantly creating discomfort. And what I mean by that is we're constantly educating ourselves. 
We learn from our mistakes. We're constantly challenging ourselves. We're constantly looking for new ways to better the community, looking for better ways to better us as a couple, to better Camden, all of those things. So you have to live in discomfort. If, if you know, if uh, I just couldn't imagine, like, if I was, like, in a nine-to-five, like, getting up every morning and kind of doing the same thing, clocking out, going home, making some dinner, sitting and watching sitcoms for three hours, go to bed, get up and do it again, um, I would I would be mortified. I'd be so bored. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just that that's – and I think there's an intensity. You know, one of the things that people always talk about when they talk about me, I keep hearing it, is intensity. Um, you know, it's just because there's just so much passion and there's so much cool stuff that you can do. Yeah. Like it just in life and always like I'm so excited to see what the next thing is. Um, and I think you can said, we, what did you oh. say, Riley, moving on to the next shiny thing? Yeah, shiny wow. yeah. That's why they call me squirrel and you guys are good at reining me back in or trying to. And also Niall and I have learned to really we know each other so well now that when something is more important to him than it is to me, even if I would prefer a different choice, it's just easy to let it go and be like, this really matters to him, so I'm okay with it. Yeah. And he does the same for me. So yeah. it's that definitely that give and take. Yeah. I'm going to go off the cuff. This isn't on the Ooh, list of questions, okay. but awesome. as somebody that's worked for you for six or seven years, <laughs> seven, seven, I don't know, long time. I get asked this question all the time about you two. You ready? I don't even think oh I've ever goodness. asked you. I'm curious. What's your favorite thing to eat in Firefly and outside of Firefly? If I had a dollar for every time that somebody's asked me that, I probably would I probably wouldn't put my two weeks in, let's be honest. <laughs> I enjoy this too much. Uh, you know, I so this is uh, uh, the other question that's also asked mm-hmm. is what's your favorite dish to make? Yes. Yes. And so all three of those all kind of go together. So yeah. I would say, what is your favorite meal and what is your favorite dish to make? And I have a one simple answer for you. Let's hear it. The next one. I knew I should have. I, I knew I was so setting myself hard. up. For yeah, this. because well, the thing is, is this right? So the uh, it, Firefly's one of Firefly's core values is never satisfied. Absolutely. And the the the, the reason behind that is is that. For like for me, every time I produce a dish, right? Like, I believe it can be refined again, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, we're gonna we're gonna be in Mexico and we're gonna eat one of my favorite restaurants called Makai. And they just redid their menu. And they we're just so yeah, excited. and it's you know it's basically all like super fresh like uh, fish and it's all ceviche, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not like ceviche that's been sitting in lime juice for like a day. It's ceviche that has been like it is it is fish that has been tossed in lime juice and cilantro and you eat it mm-hmm. um so it's like and the firecracker shrimp are on yeah so no they're called <laughs> firecracker shrimp reminds me of they call... i better not say the name of the restaurant we might get in trouble <laughs> i'm gonna keep that to myself <laughs> they're called camarón camarón Cucaracha. Oh, right, Cucaracha. They call them cockroach, uh, cockroach shrimp because they fry them and they're whole, so good. but they're soft shell shrimp. They're soft did you, did, you, so did you try them when you were there, Riley? Um, yeah, I think. They're, they're man, just, they're so yeah. good. When I, but they're, he's so excited. Yeah, I, I think like, it. I was like, yeah. But so yeah, I mean, I think one of the things is is like 
uh, whenever I'm like learning and adjusting and refining and it's just a constant uptick in mm-hmm. um, I, I, I heard uh, one of our sous chefs uh, uh, on Sunday uh, Stephanie she said to me she goes you know what I love about working the omelet station I'm like what she's like Every single time I make another omelet, I'm trying to figure out a better way like a, to perfect it and to make an yeah. even more perfect omelet. Now, most people go, an omelet? Like, what's the deal with that? Omelet is the ultimate test in what type of chef you are, right? It needs to be the perfect omelet. Well, so, that's just interesting because people just think it's just eggs. Right, exactly. But if, if it's done properly, yeah. right, It's and it can be just eggs, and if it's done properly, it is like the most amazing magic because eggs, as far as I'm concerned, is probably one of the coolest foods on the planet. Yeah. I mean, it has they're so versatile in what they do, the fat content, the protein content. Um, and so – I. I, I would say that for me, it's the next one. Mm-hmm. Now, we do go out to eat sometimes, and we're disappointed. Yes. I, that happens. I told you when I got back from my big 30th birthday trip in Europe, my I was with my mom, and I was like, okay, mom, what was your favorite thing? Like, what did we eat that was so good? And she said, honestly, I just can't wait to eat at Firefly. Firefly. <laughs> <laughs> and I think really, uh, it does happen a lot. Well, yeah. I but, mean, I, but there are some great dishes out there. I mean, like when huge. we were in Italy, we had, I mean, some Italy of the best carbonara was, I've yeah. ever had ever, and I'm not a pasta eater. Oh, my goodness. You know, yeah. and that kind of stuff. So I think that that just interests people. You know, I don't think... They, I think they think because you guys own a restaurant that you maybe turn your nose up at certain things. No, and I don't no, think no, no, that's no, no, it. That's no. not it at all. And that's no. what I explain and to we people. Love I'm it like, when we actually get invited to somebody's house, yes, because a lot of people will not do that because they're afraid to cook for Niall. They have to remember that when he married me, I ate cold canned peas, like literally, like that was my level of culinary skill. Mm-hmm. And so he tolerates my cooking. And I've got to be honest, like. I don't like to cook. I do it as an act of love for him. For like if he's tired or he's not feeling well or if things are really busy at the restaurant. And same thing. And obviously I I cook through Camden and through osmosis. I've learned some things. But I can tell you, well, I'm not going to say how old I am, but I've never cooked a steak. I've never, maybe I did pork chops once, like my mom used to make them yeah. with the Campbell celery. Oh, the cream of mushroom soup. Yes. But the, Literally grew up to... on that. <laughs> Let me tell you, Kay, that's why we bond so well, KK, because Jeez, I was right. just thinking the whole time you were I'm talking about me. eggs, I was like, oh my gosh, we need to do a podcast of you teaching me how to make an omelet. Yes. Oh, <laughs> well, man. I, I love that. I love making I mean, omelets. Microwave popcorn is like a big deal in my house. <laughs> But you know that so my philosophy on food is 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 pretty simple, really though. And I think the thing is, is like when I say disappointed, I also understand like where I'm going, right? Mm-hmm. And so if some place is just like a burger bar or whatever, right? Like a big sloppy burger, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and so I don't, I don't, I never go in with super high expectations. Mm-hmm. But like I also am incredibly empathetic to the plight. Of a restaurant person, sure. right? So, like, there's so much, like, so many, we always say so many moving parts, right? Mm-hmm. Everything from, like, the guests walking in to the dishes that are being washed, there's so many moving parts. And so I, I absolutely am empathetic to the plate. So when I say disappointed, I'm never, like, that guy that's, like, sitting there critiquing you because right. I also understand that there's a lot of moving parts. But when it comes to food, my philosophy is this, and you can tell, right, one thing that I always say is when you eat the dish of food, um, you 
when you eat the food, you can taste the amount of love that was put into it. Mm -hmm. And so like even like a country like a country dish that somebody's like put together, right? You can tell how much love is put into it. Mm -hmm. And that's what we talk about is putting love into our food. Because that is the separation, right? Like the seasoning and like uh, tasting it and applying more salt or whatever, those types of things. And a lot, I find that a lot of like family history, right, grows up on a certain whatever. Let's say it's a chicken pot pie or, or let's say it's biscuits and gravy or uh, like everybody has their kind of own version. One of my favorite dishes, which is so bizarre, is Christy's grandmother makes used to make this thing called eggs a la goldenrod. And I was like, what is it? And she was like, yeah, they like chop up egg whites and they like – throw them into a roux and then they pour it over toast and then they sprinkle the the but the golden rod is the yolk. every time i eat this dish from her family members like it's just like it's it's it looks funky but I was like, say, it sounds interesting. But it's it's, it's, so it's disgusting. It's, is that what you said? Basically, what you do is you make a bechamel and you boil yeah. eggs and then you throw the whites into the bechamel. Yeah. And then you ladle the bechamel over buttered toast. Yeah. And then you sprinkle the hard yolk over the top. So they, so they call it eggs a la goldenrod. Anyways, that's one of those dishes that like you eat it and you're like, it's it. You can taste. There's a ton of love in it. There's yeah. also a ton of fat in it and everything else. You're like, oh man, sounds this is like good. comfort 101. Yeah, it, that's exactly Particularly it. if it's on firefly ciabatta, like, oh. then it's yeah. Next My level. mouth is watering right now. <laughs> just so everyone knows, yeah. Even with the eggs, a la goldenrod or whatever. <laughs> so. Uh, it was. Wow. It was. We're like just about out of time. So I guess you're gonna okay. have to come on again and again and again and yeah. again. With you know, I'm be honest. you have I'm such honest. open schedule. I'm be Niall. honest, Nile. You did way better than I expected. <gasps> Whoa. What is that supposed I don't to mean? Know. What were you? Really, ex- you really like t- knocked it out of the park for me. So. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Well, there you go. I think, he's, I think he's trying to get a raise. I know. <laughs> God, you're so <laughs> awesome, Nile. Described everything that we were wanting to achieve. So. Oh, good. Um, I guess any closing thoughts from you two? Any words of wisdom for listeners? Um, pieces of advice when it comes to business, making food? Any tips you want to leave? Um, um, tips, again, you know, it goes back to, for us, our philosophy is, you know, our core values, being courageous, being devoted to team, uh, being willing to learn as the to our, the best of our ability so that we can lead well um, and fanatical nurturing across the board and then never satisfied. And, you know, Niall and I are never satisfied and it's not because we don't absolutely love each other and love our lives. It's just like living without a challenge just doesn't seem like life at all. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think um, on a business, you know, on the business aspect, um, Christie's grandfather kind of fed into her, and I watched Christie do it, and then I learned to do it. Um, is net like never stop networking. Like the more yeah. people you can meet, the more people you can talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of like this guy here today, right? Yeah, we do have a special guest yeah, we a special that we haven't mentioned. Very interested in the podcast learning. and learning. Um, and so thirsting knowledge and understanding uh, business in general is, mm-hmm. is vital. Yeah. Um, but then it also takes a pretty strong entrepreneurial spirit and tenacity and focus and vision 
to bring all those things together. So yeah, yeah. Sweet. yeah. Well, uh, thank you both for this chat and for coming in. Uh, we'd love to have you on, you know, down the road. Obviously, Chris, you're going to have you on for Buckeye probably down the road. And Niall, maybe we cool. can dive deeper into some cooking techniques. I know yeah. I Katie love it. and I would love to listen that ourselves. Yeah, I'd love to listen because I won't understand any of it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like a foreign language. I'll be like, oh, saute. Bombay. <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> Well, you, the running joke. Well, with with, uh, with all the new AI, it's pretty interesting. I mean, you can ask it, and it'll build your own recipe. It'll build a yeah, recipe awesome. for, you. for you. Yeah, but you have to understand the recipe before <laughs> you can make it. <laughs> anyway, thank you both again, and thank you all for uh, listening. And just a reminder, we are doing a giveaway on the first five episodes we're launching. If you share any of these to your story, uh, you're going to be entered to win a $100 gift card to Firefly. I don't know if you guys knew that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he actually, the best part is I came to, re- to record the first episode and he like sprung this on me and I was like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll I give haven't... away two if we're feeling nice. Yeah. So anyway, thank you all well, again thank you for, for listening. Us. And we're so glad you're here.